You know, there's a, a lot of talk about doomsday and doomsday preppers. And I want to tell you, I'm a prepper, but not for doomsday, but for groomsday. I'm looking for the, the groom, the bridegroom, the king of kings and the lord of lords to come. So they're handing out, there should be two sheets there, two pages, and they'll have 12, uh, 12 facts that you must know and recognize about your assignment. We're going to talk about an assignment today, but the reason why we're going to talk about assignment is because that's one of the important things that Jesus left us to do and to be aware of at his coming. The text for this message today is found in Mark chapter 13, verse 32 through 34. Twelve facts that you must know and recognize about your assignment. So we want to look at this text to see, Pastor, where are you finding that? What's, what's going on with this? Talking about the last days and then talking about assignment. In Mark's gospel, chapter 13, verse 32, it says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Then he says in verse 33, tells us to do some things. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Then he says, he gives us this little comparison, this little analogy. And he says, it's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Now, what do we really know about the last days or when Christ is coming? What do we really know about it? The rapture can happen at any time. And we don't know exactly when this end time is going to be, but we can know the seasons. And as we read God's Word, and we're more familiar with the prophecies and various things that talk about the end times, we feel like that the season is near. Matthew 24 is a good passage of Scripture to read. I uh, encourage you to read it in the Living Bible sometime, just how, that's, how it words it. It's, it um, it's pretty easy, easy flowing through there. Jesus talks about the seasons, and then it, we'll, see, we'll hear about wars and rumors of wars, and uh, nations will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. But he said, but those are just the beginning of sorrows. And so we know that the... We see those beginnings around, and we feel uh, in our spirit just that, that the, his coming is so, so soon. What Jesus talks about in Matthew 24 is the end, about the end will come. But as a believer, we're not looking for the end, but we're looking for the beginning. And the beginning will be a rapture that's promised to those. And if we are faithful in doing what he's told us to do, he gives a promise, and it's found in the Philadelphia church in the book of Revelation, he says, because you have kept the word of my patience and have not denied my name, I will keep you from that hour of trial that comes upon the whole world. And that's the only church that he says that, uh, that will be spared from this. And so that's what to be our goal, right? That ought to be what we're shooting for. We want to be in that particular uh, group of, of believers. The others that are not faithful, they are uh, doing their own thing. Those servants we find in Matthew 24 that he comes to them as a thief. And also you find in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, it talks about some of those things. We've talked about them in the past. I'm not going to go back into those today, but just to let you know that, that our goal should be to, to be ready, to be alert, to be on guard, and be prepared, and be doing what he says. So now, when he comes, what should we be doing? Or if he were to come 
Of course, right now, this would be great because we're all here in church. I don't know what everybody else is doing. <laughs> I'm just, I'm only serious. Uh, when he comes, what would, what do you think you need to be doing? Watching. Ready. Working. So let me ask you this question then. If he were to come, are you in that position that you just said that you should be in? So that's the check list that we need to have. We need to constantly be checking, be on guard, be alert. Not out of fear, but just to make sure that we're not um, doing our own thing instead of doing his thing. You say, but ah, doing his thing, and we get this picture in our mind that we have to go join a monastery or something and wear little brown robes and, and go around and hum and never say anything to anybody. And what? No, that's not it at all. He wants us to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Our life ought to be an expression of him. If, if serving Jesus is not a joy in your life, then you need a checkup. <laughs> you need a spiritual checkup because it's the most exciting thing that you could ever do in your life because what you're doing is you're finding your purpose that you were created and, uh, for and put here on earth for. And when you're doing his will, it's, you're in the groove. And it's, it's easy. There are seasons of blessing and there's also seasons of trials but those are seasons, you know. I don't know what season you're in right now, but th those things just happen. But we ought to be excited, enthused, and yeah, we get tired serving the Lord. I mean, it's work. That's that four-letter word, work. In fact, Paul encourages, don't, don't grow weary in well-doing. There's time that you can, you know, become weary, so we got to watch it. We have to check, check ourselves and check our spirit. Um, so, you know, we don't, we don't know when the Lord will return, but uh, what are we supposed to be doing till then? And that's what we want to look at today. He says there, in this little analogy that he gives, he said, it's like a man going away. Now, what Jesus was referring to there was what he did. He came and uh, he built his house or he built the church, him being the cornerstone, and then he went away. And he said, it's like a man going away. He leaves his house, he left the church, the body of Christ here, and puts his servants in charge. Are you a servant of the Lord? We're in charge. We're supposed to be in charge. We're going to be, have to give an account for our stewardship of being in charge of his house, of his church, his, his ministry. And it says, each with his assigned task. Everybody say assigned. Assigned. assigned task. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Okay, stop just one second. Who is the one at the door? And what is the door? That's cool, huh? That would preach a whole message in itself. But I'll let you in on it without so much work. There's a couple of things. There's a door of out translation. It's a, those that are ready before the seven-year tribulation will be called, the, it's the rapture. We caught away before any of these things come. There will be those that go into the tribulation and uh, there's a door that opens, that door opens then in the middle of the first three and a half years. It's told in Revelation chapter 8, this great innumerable company comes up. Then also there's, that door opens again for the 144,000, which are 12,000 Jews saved or uh, sealed out of the 12 tribes. This door opens and it closes. Jesus or, said to John when he was writing the book of Revelation... In Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, he says, uh, after this, John says, after this I looked, 
And behold, a door was open in the heavens, and the first voice which I heard speaking to me was a trumpet, like a trumpet was talking to me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God shall sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. This is a picture in Revelation 4 of a op opening this door. It's the door that opens when God the Father says, okay, it's time. That door opens and rapture occurs and then it shuts until the next appointed time. To the Philadelphia church, he said, I put before you a door that no man can open, no man can shut. Only God can open it, only God can shut. But someone standing at that door and they're to be watching, watching the Father for when that appointed time comes. And I suggest to you that that's the Lord Jesus Christ that's the one at the door that watches. I've heard a lot of different things. But he's associated with the door. In fact, in Matthew chapter 25, when he's talking about the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins, uh, which is this Jewish remnant, the wise virgins, they had oil. They were sealed. They were prepared. This is the 144,000. They were believers now. They were sealed. And when the bridegroom came, they went up to meet him. That door was open. But when the five foolish virgins, which is a type of the Jewish remnant, it says that when they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went with him to the, uh, to the marriage, and the door was shut. And so when the five foolish virgins came, that door was shut, and they remained throughout the tribulation. Revelation 3.8 says that... Uh, Jesus said, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. That's to the Philadelphia church. There's an open door for those that are in that particular faith, believing in commitment and, and uh, um, attitude. In Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open, he said, I'll come into him. Jesus is always associated with a door in some way. He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You know, so he's always associated with the door in some way. And so there's a, there's a neat teaching on that, but I just want you to know this little parallel that he's telling us that this is really all we have to know about this time. He says, be on guard, verse 33 of Mark 13. Be alert. You don't know when the time will come. It's like a man going away. Jesus went away. He leaves his house and puts the servants in charge. He left his church and he put us in charge, each with our, his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Jesus is watching. He's ready at any time. I think he's standing ready to come when the Father says, go get my children. But let's look at this today because this is very important. If, there, if you never hear anything else, this is what you need to hear. No, there's no surprise that many are... Uh, have, have had struggles trying to get to church today because this is a very important message. When he says that he, each with his assigned task, each one of us have been assigned a task. Now this all falls under the broad category of the will of God. We know that the universal will of God is to know God and make him known, right? That's the universal will of God for all men is to know God and make him known. Then the specific will of God comes down, or the, the general will of God falls under the Great commandment and the great commission. And that breaks down into his will as far as knowing him through worship, ministry, uh, fellowship, uh, uh, evangelism, discipleship, those five things. That's his will. But then as it comes on down to each one of us, there's a specific will of God then that each one of us are to do 
to know him and make him known and to fulfill this worship ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship. And that's the specific will for us. That's our assignment. And sometimes throughout our Christian life, that assignment adjusts and changes and uh, changes it and various things like that, working us, getting us in a place, putting, giving us an assignment of what we need to do in the body of Christ. Sometimes somebody else isn't doing their assignment, so he takes that assignment and asks if you'll do some of that assignment, and well, you do some of the assignment, and he kind of spreads it out so that it all, all the work gets done. In fact, the apostle, it says there about this one church, it says, hold fast that which you have, let no man take your crown. Crowns are given for completing your assignment. If you don't complete your assignment, that crown lays there, and who gets it? The person who did complete it. Well, what good does it do to have crowns? Well, if you have a crown, then you have the opportunity to bring it before the throne of God where Christ is set up and presented to him. What a privilege. I've noticed uh, how excited people have been for the Pope who's visiting this past week. And, and that's neat. And I mean, people are just like to anything just to, to be in his presence. That's just a man. What about Jesus? When we get to heaven, I mean, can you imagine having the opportunity to come to him and kneel down and present to him a crown? And said, you know what, the only reason that I got this is because you helped me. You gave me the ability, the talent, and you spoke to me. You guided me. You directed me. And that's the only way I was able to accomplish it. This belongs to you. Wow, what a privilege. That's what I long for. Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. The high calling is that bridal company, this group that will be able to present crowns to the Lord. Wow, what a deal. Well, this word assigned is an interesting word. It's, it's, the definition is to mark out, to set or fix for a specific purpose, to a point, to give out a task. It's an assignment. Now, each one of us have been given a task. We've been set out, we've been appointed for a specific purpose marked out, anointed, called, destined, in a sense, for a, an assignment. So how many think that assignment is pretty important? So if your assignment is important, what if we stand before the Lord and says, uh, I didn't know. I didn't know. We were at a Texans football game several years ago, and uh, over kind of from us, this guy uh, was, he spilt, he was jumped up and he was all excited and he had his beer and he spilt it on the guy in front of him. Man, the guy in front jumped up and turned around, what are you doing? And the guy said, I didn't know, I didn't know. He said, you didn't know, you didn't know. You better ask somebody. <laughs> you know, something like, something like that. I thought, whoa, what, they're getting ready to get it. But I thought, that was a good word. I thought, I don't want to hear that when I stand before the Lord. You didn't know. You didn't know. You better ask somebody if you don't know. What are we to do? We have an assignment. And if we don't know what our assignment is, then what the Lord, what I hear the Lord saying is, I suggest that you find out what your assignment is and you commit yourself to doing that above everything else that you go to do. It's pretty important. Marked out, set, or fixed for a specific purpose, appointed, given a task. In Psalm 16, 5, says, the Lord, our Lord, you have assigned me my portion, my work, my assignment. You have assigned me my portion and my cup. A cup represents 
sharing in a cup, it's either blessing or, well, it's blessing and trials. It's just the things of life. So it's our cup to drink. So we're going to have those things as well. So he says, you have assigned me my portion in my cup. You have made my lot secure. I'm secure in him. I'm going to make it when I keep my eyes on Jesus and follow him. And he's assigned me a, a, a task. And he's given me a cup to drink. Remember when the disciples came and they were like, oh, I want to sit at your right hand. And, and the others said, I want to sit at your left. That was, you know, the brothers and, and uh, Jesus said, can you drink the cup that I drink? You know, the cup of, can you suffer the way I suffer? Are you, can you be blessed the way that I'm blessed and handle that? And they stood there and he says, well, you will drink it. You will, because he knew. But so that represents that particular thing of blessing and, and uh, suffering that we go through in life. So the psalmist says that you have assigned me my portion and my cup, and you have made my lot secure. In First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, the Apostle Paul talks about assignment when he's talking to the Corinthians, and he says, what after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. In other words, it doesn't matter if it's me, Danny, whatever. You know, we're just doing our assignment as the Lord's given each one of us our assignment, and you came to know him through what we do. But each one of us have an assignment to do. So excited yesterday, 13 people going out as the light of the world, bringing light into darkness and, and bringing people into the kingdom of God. Three people getting saved yesterday. Isn't that awesome? You, think, you don't think the devil's mad? <laughs> that ought to make us glad. If the devil's mad, then that means God's glad, right? Amen. So here's what I hear God saying. Two very important things. First is discover your assignment and stick to it. Pretty simple. Discover your assignment and stick to it. Second, determine to trust me in your assignment. That's what I hear him saying. Trust God in your assignment. Determine to trust him no matter what. It's just a season. Maybe it's, a, you know, it's, it's your cup. Maybe it's a time of suffering. Maybe it's a time of blessing. But either way, don't get thrown off. Do the assignment. The, fulfill the assignment. Should have tied this in with another message called Mission Impossible, or Mission Possible, where it looks impossible to us, it's always possible. Our assignment is possible, even though it looks impossible. Now, there's something really neat about this, because if we do, if we get on task and we do our assignment, in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, we find out something, that there's a blessing for that. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. You say, well, where's assignment? What does the word consecrate mean? Consecrate means to set apart as holy. It means to give up or apply oneself or one's time, energy, and resources to some purpose, activity, or person, as in an assignment. Consecrate yourself. You know, be faithful in your assignment. Set yourself apart for this assignment and do it. And then he says, tomorrow or then next, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Do you want to see amazing, the Lord do amazing things among his people? Then all we have to do is do our assignment. If we do our assignment, wow, the Lord will do amazing things. So the big question is, do you know what your assignment is? 
You say, well, oh boy. And you might know a little bit of it. And the thing is that God does open it up and he, he brings more awareness of it as we walk into it. We are to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher or perfecter of our faith. So as we look unto him, he authors faith for us to take the next step into our assignment. Sometimes he doesn't tell us the entire assignment or we would say, no way at all. It would be overwhelming. But we look unto him, he authors faith for us to take this step in our assignment and tomorrow the next step into our assignment. And he continues to open that up. And as we've said many times, life is lived on levels and arrived at in stages. And so we take this level, come to this stage in our assignment, and here we go. The next question would be, do you know how to recognize your assignment? If you don't know what it is, do you at least know how to recognize it? Because it will constantly be, be being revealed, if you catch that. I think sometimes we miss it because we think it has to be so hard. And we think, well, it couldn't be, we don't, something that comes real natural to you, you don't recognize that you're doing it, right? Because it just comes natural. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So when it comes natural to you, that's part of you. And so uh, that's what makes you who you are. But we sometimes don't recognize what we're doing when it comes natural. When you are doing the assignment of God, it, it should come natural. It ought to flow, and there's a fulfillment to it, and there's a joy to it, and there's a satisfaction to it. That That's one of the ways that we can recognize the assignment that God's called us to. So let's look at 12 facts that we need to know to recognize the assignment. First of all, number one, your assignment was decided by the Holy Spirit before you were born. So don't argue about it and say, give me another assignment. <laughs> Uh, can I have a different one? No, you, there's no negotiating here. Before you were born, you were, God had an assignment for you. In fact, that's why you were even created was to do this assignment. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 10 says, before I, or verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I assigned you something. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, is what he was telling Jeremiah. So see, he says, before you were born, I gave you an assignment. Wow. The Holy Spirit who created you has decided your assignment here on earth. Now we have to discover it. So there's no, no pouting, <laughs> no negotiating, no arguing, you know, about I want to do this, and none of your you know, organizing and strategizing to, for an assignment. It's already assigned to you. You just need to discover it and do it. Fact number two, your assignment is decided by God and discovered by you. The automobile didn't just decide that it would be an automobile. Henry Ford decided that it would be an automobile. Well, or I know there was other cars before Henry Ford, but, you know, the creator of that particular vehicle decided it. The airplane didn't just decide, hey, I think I'll be an airplane. The Wright brothers came up with, with it, and they created the airplane, right? Uh, any, anything that's invented, there's a creator behind it, and it creates that for a particular purpose. And God created you, and so the creator does the assigning, and the creation discovers the assignment, right? Number three. Your assignment is always, always to solve a problem. Oh, me. 
oh my. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, it says that the, it, it talks about the purpose that we that our purpose and that God has given to us his purpose that he might work his, his will through us and he might show to the principalities and powers and rulers in high places all around the uh, manifold wisdom of God, how God, the many-sided and complex sides of God's wisdom that he can show that through us, the church, the church. So when we are doing the assignment, God is expressing his wisdom and his uh, His will through us, and it just blows the devil's mind. He can't understand it. And so your assignment is always to solve a problem. God looked and he saw that there would be problems, and so in that he created, there was a, sin, there was a problem with sin, and so he, he solved the problem because he sent a Savior. And so there's always going to be a sin, but it's no longer a sin question, it's a son question. Have you received the son? That takes care of the sin, right? And so we are part of the solution of that by fulfilling the assignment that God gives us, and we help with the overall problem. But then there's always different problems. Problems, problems. All God's children got problems. <laughs> and if you don't have any, come up and we'll pray for you so you can have some more problems. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't feel like you have enough, because out of those problems is where you see miracles happen, right? Especially problems that look like they cannot be solved by anything on this earth. That's where God says, all right, now that's where I really want to work. And he uses us. And he does amazing things in our midst, just like he said to Joshua. Isn't that cool? So you were created to solve a problem. Before the foundation of the world, when God looked down, he already saw what the problem would be, and he created you specifically to help take care of that situation or that, that area of problem thing that would be existing right now. You're not just an accident that happened. You are a meaningful specific, if we can do that. God specifically, with meaning, designed you and placed you right here for this time in history that you would be here for the assignment that he has given to you. Find out what it is and give yourself to excellence in that. You know, just so, I think these are on your notes. Everything created or invented, we couldn't put in there, is a solution to an existing problem. You know, if eyes, we can see. When there's a hearing problem, you have ears here, hands reach, feet walk, your mouth speaks, chairs are made to solve the standing problem. Uh, you know, our basic needs are food, shelter, and clothing, and so we see that there's various creative things to that, and everything that's invented takes care of problems. We have sound systems that work halfway, but that still helps take care of the problem of not hearing. <laughs> You know, Jesus, uh, to be able to reach the crowd, he'd take a boat and go out into the water so that his voice could uh, reflect off of that water and, and the whole crowd could hear it, you know, before there were PA systems. But there was problems with multitudes, so they had PA systems in If Just look around and see that everything that's created was created to solve a problem that was already existing. Mechanics solve car problems, sometimes. Uh, lawyers solve legal problems, sometimes. But mothers solve emotional problems all the time. <laughs> what problems do you notice? Now, see, have you ever noticed that uh, maybe you're, you and two or three other people are walking through or doing something, and you notice something, and somebody else says, what are you talking about? 
They don't even notice it. And it's a, it, may, it might be a problem or something that's out of order. Maybe you walk in and you see a, a picture is turned crooked and, and it just oh, drives you nuts. And, and somebody else is like, what are you talking about? That's fine. Don't, don't worry about it. You know, you're, you are designed in a way and, and fashioned to be an organizer and, and get things lined up and straightened up. That's what motivational gifts, how motivational gifts come about. And God creates us and gives us the motivational gifts in a particular way, and we see things differently than other people see them. And then the Holy Spirit gives us the manifestation gifts or gifts of the Spirit to enable us to do those things that are not possible to be done in the natural realm. Jesus gives ministry gifts to help oversee the body and help then discover the assignments that we need to solve these problems. So find out what, your, what problems that are around and, and uh, uh, what you notice the most. What do you notice? What, what really stands out to you? That's a clue to help you discover what your assignment is. What problems are you most passionate about solving around you? You just, you know, you want to solve that. You want to get it fixed. You want to fix everybody. <laughs> now listen, here's the other thing is that Satan can push us over on our assignment. He can get us out of order in a sense that we go, uh, what do they call it? OCD? Or is that ADD? OCD? <laughs> yeah, OCD. <laughs> And you get it all out of whack and, you know, maybe... So he can't keep you from doing what you were created to do, so he just gets you on another track. You ever seen anybody on the wrong track? <laughs> they, you know they were created by God, but somehow or another they got shifted. And so they're, they're trying to do what they're created to do, what they feel in just naturally ability to do, but they're doing it in the wrong way and the, for the wrong reason. Because everybody was created and given an assignment here on the face of the earth. You are not assigned to solve problems for everybody. So don't get overwhelmed. That's why we're to cast our care upon the Lord, because he cares for us. Sometimes we get anxious because we can't solve enough problems. and like when It's never going to get fixed. Jesus left the earth while there were still problems. I mean, he looked down. Look at the handful of people he looked down at. I mean, here's Peter, the leader of all the... the rest of the disciples and he was he did, denied Christ three times you don't think they had problems <laughs> I mean when he left there was still problems and and uh, so you know he never felt responsible for solving every problem that he was capable of solving you know there were still people that needed heal healing and various things when he left they were still here that's why he said greater things than these shall you do your rewards in life, here's another fact about, about problems. Your rewards in life will be determined by the problems that you are willing to solve for other people. For instance, you know, I just put a little example down here. A garbage collector may receive $15 an hour, while a lawyer receives $200 an hour. Why? Because of the problems that they have chosen to solve determines the salary which they will receive, right? A greater the problem, you know, then the greater the reward for solving that problem, right? Sure. You know, another fact, you will only be remembered for the problems you solve or the ones you create. <laughs> just think about a few people just the, down through history and you remember them why. Either because of the problems they created or the problems that they solved. You think about Billy Graham, you think about tremendous crusades and helping solve the sin question and, and bring about the, the sun question and that people have got to know Christ. Think of uh, Adolf Hitler. You think of a whole different thing, right? So 
you will be remembered, not only in this life, but for all eternity, for the problems that you solved that were in your assignment. Think about that. When you solve a problem better than anyone else, you will be pursued and rewarded. These are just facts, right? I mean, think about it. You drive farther to get a haircut if the person who cuts your hair is the best. You will pursue that person that does the best job. If I'm looking for a Harley mechanic, I'll drive further to find the best one to work on the Harley. You know, I mean, so think about it. You, you are pursued in direct uh, in your ability to solve the problem that is needed. People will pursue you and you will be rewarded for that as well. Your assignment is, is any problem that God has qualified or provided a passion for you to solve. Now, you might think, well, I don't have a very big job. But yes, you do. It's, nothing is too small or too large. God has qualified you and provided a certain passion, in a sense, for you to solve certain things. Maybe that passion has waned a little bit because you've got discouraged or whatever, but that's where we need to stir up that passion to do what... There's something down in us that God put an assignment down in us to do. Sometimes we think, well, that couldn't be that spiritual, you know, and, and we throw it off. No, we got to listen. That's why we have to learn how to, how to discern uh, and know what our assignment is. Number four, assignment's correct. Whatever angers you is a clue to something you are assigned to correct. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> this is where you also get off... Uh, off track, right? But think about it. You know, drugs anger me because I've seen what it can do to individuals and families and communities, and it angers me. And so that puts a passion in me then for people to come to Christ that are in that area because I know that their lives will change. And some of you can look around, I don't know, but some of you might see some of your old dealers or your old whatever, you know, I don't know. That's because I've prayed hard in that area, that people get saved and brought out of that, out of darkness into light. You know, when Moses was, uh, saw the Egyptian taskmaster beating the Israelite, remember how he went over and he it angered him and he ended up killing the guy? Well, that was because down inside of him, he was, he was to be a deliverer. He just didn't, hadn't, he hadn't, I don't want to say channel, but he hadn't harnessed that assignment and that ability in the correct way at that particular time. And this assignment to be a deliverer just came out and overwhelmed, and he ended up stepping into the wrong realm, and he killed the Egyptian soldier. When Jesus went into the temple and he got mad, why? Because his, his assignment was, of course, to bring salvation to the to the the world, but also then to establish the church and that people would recognize and come into a position of, of praying and, and worshiping God. And so he walks into the temple and he sees all this stuff and he sees the money changers around and he sees the, the Gentile court where it would allow the Gentiles to come in to worship God. It was, they wouldn't even let Gentiles in. They filled it full of, so they could make more money off of their sacrifice. And so he sat down and he made a whip and he drove out the money changers from that part. He cleansed the temple and he said, my father's house shall be a house of prayer. It angered him when he walked in and he saw what he saw because he's a savior and he came to set things in order. So assignment's correct. You know, it angers me when I see Satan robbing people 
of their God-given potential because God's called me, he's assigned me as an exhorter, as an encourager to help exhort and help people to, to find their assignment, if you will, and to be all that they can be if we can take a term from the, the army. I guess they stole it from God, really. So what angers you? What frustrates you that you see that needs to be corrected? And that helps you to begin to realize what your assignment is. And then you can, through prayer, through the, the weapons that, that God has given to us, the spiritual weapons that God has given to us, then we can correct those things. Amen? And we bring that anger and that frustration of those things into the right form. And Jesus said, be angry and sin not. That way that anger motivates us. To get, get it done. Number five, assignments heal. What saddens you is a clue to something that you are assigned to heal. What breaks your heart? What moves you when you see something happening and that you see that that needs to, you see a need that needs to be met. You find a hurt. You see a hurt that needs to be healed. And so whatever brings you pain, that's a clue to something that God is qualifying you to mend. It helps you discover your assignment. So think about those things. Why wanted you have this handout? Because this is not something that you just hear a message and you go out doing it. It's something that you do all of your life and you, and you refine that assignment through your prayer and your communication with God and through discovering these things about you, knowing who you are. And we preach messages about uh, who we are in Christ and yes, we've got to know that, that we have authority in various things and all those things are given to us so we can do our assignment. And the biggest thing that Satan does to hinder the church is get individual believers off of their assignment. And you see, then we get on this other little thing, and we all want to jump on this, and we want to jump on that, and we want to follow this, and we want to, and we want to follow signs instead of signs following us. Come on. I know this isn't, you know, maybe one of them shouting type messages, but it's a good message. It's something that we need to hear because we're learning about us, who we are. We're very important before God who created us because he needed us. God needs you and somebody in this world needs you. Assignments heal. You know, does something bring you pain? Maybe that's an assignment to help heal that. It's a clue to what God is qualifying you to mend. Number six, assignments guarantee provision. So we always say, well, I can't because. I can't because of this. I can't because of that. I can't do this because of, and it's usually money or resources, or, you know, time, or talent, or, or money, or something, some reason why we can't, it's, it's a lack of provision, so we can't get it done, and we, well, I would, but I can't, so God's taking care of that situation, your provision is only guaranteed there, and where's there? At the place of your assignment, the place of obedience, Elijah was instructed to go to the brook, and when he obeyed, God sent ravens to feed him. And one day, the ravens didn't show up, and the brook dried up. So the provision was gone. What does that mean? New assignment, or an adjustment in the assignment, you know. So now then, you've got to go to Zarephath. And when you go there, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll provide for a way that nobody could ever even imagine through a widow that doesn't have anything. And then you'll know for sure that it's me, but I'll provide for you at that place there. When you go there, God meets you there with the provision that you need there. Somebody say there. <laughs> You've got to find your own place called there. That is where God's provision will be. 
And you don't worry about it beforehand. You just know that, look, this is my assignment. God's created me for this. And if he's created me for this, then he's able to supply what I need for this. John 15, 16. You did not choose me. <laughs> you didn't choose me. People back then, disciples chose their, their teacher, their rabbi. They looked to see, oh, what would be the best rabbi? It's kind of like looking at a college and you want that name on your diploma. And he says, no, you didn't choose me. You weren't even, you didn't even make the cut for disciples that could choose a rabbi. You're at the bottom of the barrel. I chose you. And he says, and ordained you or predetermined beforehand that you would, an assignment for you that you would go and bring forth fruit. Fruit that remains, fruit that will last i got an eternal purpose for you. What you're going to do on your assignment is going to produce fruit that lasts not only in this life but for all eternity. Your assignment accomplishes that. Provisions come when you go where you have been assigned and fruit lasts or fruit remains when it is from your assignment. Praise God. Somebody in heaven will come up to you and say, man... When you didn't even realize it, you said something or you did something or you were there at this time or whatever, and it just so changed my life in that, at that moment. And you're like, I didn't even know that. No, you didn't because it's just part of your assignment, and it just happens. Amen? Number seven, your assignment is always to a person or people. You're not your own little entity. You're not the Lone Ranger. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. <laughs> You know, so you're not into yourself and I'm going to do this for God. It's me and God and, and that's it. And, and I'll, I'm going to make it happen because God's called me. You've got to watch out because a religious spirit, Satan will send a religious spirit then there to make you think that, yes, I am all that and I've got this assignment and this assignment's from God so no man's going to tell me what to do. Hello. Watch out, Jezebel spirit. Absalom too, just so you don't think that that's a gender thing. Um, it's always to a, per, to a person or to people. Moses' assignment was to the Israelites, and Aaron's assignment was to Moses. I have a question that I think it's on your handout. How do you discern to whom you have been sent? Good question. What you've got to know. And God will always bring you through seasons of mentoring and then and discipling others and being discipled. And it's always along that line so that we can accomplish the assignment that he's given to us. So how do you know? Ask yourself these truthful questions. First, whose failure would bring you tears? Whose success stays on your mind all the time? Mine, you say? No, no. <laughs> to some person who you've been assigned to. Whose pain do you feel when you enter their presence? Whose achievements bring excitement to you? So you can discover who you're assigned to and, and a person and, or persons, and it usually works in that fashion. Because when Aaron was assigned to Moses, in a sense he was assigned to the children of Israel. You see how it all works? Your assignment, number eight, your assignment is geographical. Here's some examples. The assignment of Joseph took him to Egypt. Not the way he wanted to get there. 
He was going, his cup at that time brought him some suffering, but it still, through his assignment, he told his brothers later on, about 20-some years later, he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good because he had assigned me for this. So it wasn't really the way he wanted to get there, but he got there. It was geographical. The assignment of Ruth took her to Bethlehem. The assignment of Jesus brought him to the cross. You belong somewhere. <laughs> God has assigned you to like Christian Center, that you can work through like Christian Center, that your individual assignment then can blossom and come forth, and then it accomplishes the assignment that God's given you, the assignment that God's given to this church, the assignment that God's given to this city. Praise God, and it just goes on up. Grow where you're planted. Some people say, oh, I got this assignment. Alvin was the last place that I ever, I didn't even know Alvin, Texas. When God first called me into ministry and began to give me an assignment, I didn't know Alvin, Texas. And then when I didn't know Alvin, Texas, I didn't want to come. <laughs> I've, you've heard me say it before, I, I knew this wasn't the end of the world, but I figured you could see it from here. <laughs> That's because I'd had a really, 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 really bad experience. I love this place. I love it. We've had the opportunity to travel to five continents, many nations, all the states in the United States, Canada, Nova Scotia one side, and Alaska, Sandy went to Newfoundland even, but we've been a lot of places. And I can honestly say, this is home. This is home. Oh, it's so hot and humid down here. Yeah, well, it's hot and humid in Chicago. It's hot and humid in Washington, in New York. It's hot and humid in Georgia. It's, hot. it's bad most every place except maybe San Diego. <laughs> but we don't want to go there. Somebody has to do it. But you know what? It's, it's wonderful. When, when you're where God's planted you, yeah, Satan will try to maybe bring enmity and try to separate you from that. But if you really settle down and you really think about it, you know what? Hmm. We're home. We're home. You can run, but you can't hide. Remember when, when Elijah was running from God and he was in that cave and God says, hey, what you doing here? He says, oh, man, they killed everybody else. I'm the only one left. No, you're not. I got 700 others just like you. He said, well, I just want to hear you. And so he takes him out, and, and there's thunder and lightning, and it's like all this stuff going on, and God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the thunder. He, wasn't, it was, in, he was in the still, small voice, and God protected him there and just said, you know what? Hey, come into the cleft of the rock. Just come home. Elijah, what are you doing here? Come on home. You can run, but you can't hide. I've got an assignment for you to do, basically. That's the story. If you look at a lot of those things, the prodigal son, various those, it's because they got to come back to their assignment and you will be the most miserable person on the face of the earth when you are not following God's assignment, no matter where you are. You know, there's, we think that we can, that U-Haul trucks are magical, that we can load up and go to the magical place called Happy Land and, and it's going to be there, you know, if I had a different husband, if I had a different wife, or if I had this, or if I had a different job, if I had a different house, if I had a different car, if I had all these other things going to bring me happiness. No, it's not. The only thing that's going to bring you happiness is when you are fulfilling the assignment that God's given you. And when you're doing that, everything else is added unto you. That's what he told us in Matthew. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added to you. Seeking the kingdom of God, really, in a sense, in your, in individually, when it boils down to each one of us, is the assignment of the kingdom of God that God's given to us in his kingdom. Number nine, your assignment determines what is important to you. I, I think I didn't 
cover. I don't know if I have it on your handout sheet, but there's some benefits there on number eight about uh, that your assignment is geographical. The benefits are where you are matters as much as what you are. That's important. And where you are will determine what grows within you. Weeds are flowers. You know, weaknesses are strengths. In the when it's time to grow, in the growing season, things grow. It's either a garden or weeds, right? So it's, they're going to grow. So where you are matters as much as what you are. So you've got to get in the center of God's will. Number nine, your assignment determines what is important to you. What you value and what draws your attention. The examples I'll put here are carpenter notices houses. Uh, hairstylist notices hair. Jewelers notice jewelry. You know, you notice certain things, um, it, you know, because you've given yourself to it or you have a natural uh, pulling to that. And, you know, what uh, it's all also is what's important to you, what you have passion for, what your interests are. And what your interests are, you know, learning is, is easy when interest is high. Have you ever noticed that? You know, I hated that subject, but I love this other subject. Why? Why would you love that? I like math. Oh, I loved English. I hated English. I love math. Why? Because different interests and various things like that. And so uh, your assignment determines what's important to you, how you see things, what you value, where you invest your time, what you enjoy to doing, reading, looking at, uh, researching, or, or doing. Number 10, your assignment reveals interest. It kind of goes right along the same line there. What you love the most is a clue to your assignment. If you love computers, that is where your wisdom lies. And you may be able to do that and you know how to work through that. We need some people to be able to, to in that particular area, that's the, the greatest area of missions today, I think, is through, through the, the social media and through the internet and various things like that. That's a field of, of labor, of, of missions, just like back in the, the 30s and the 40s and 50s when we were sending out missionaries all around the world, we have a new door open to us as a, and an assignment as a church to reach the world, and here's an avenue, a tool of which to do that. So if you have an interest there and if you have an ability there, God wants to use that. That's not just for something else. Well, because you come to church, you know, you sing some songs and you, you do this and that, and it's either, you know, work nursery or kids or usher or singer, musician or whatever, or just sit, that's it. That's it. No, it's not it. This, this time is for a time of encouragement and development, and it's our, it's our halftime in a sense, you know, where we get pumped up and ready to go out and win the game because that's the field of labor out there. This is just the base of operation. It's where we come to get encouraged and fed and, and nourished and, and built up so that we can go out and do our assignment. And where we're growing weary and doing well, we come in and God encourages us. Amen? Amen. You know, if you love children, you, you have, you'll have wisdom towards children. You know how, you know, to work with them. Number 11, your assignment will require seasons of preparation. Everybody say seasons. You will experience seasons of insignificance, disillusionment, <laughs> disappointment, but mentorship, restoration. So it involves seasons because... We're discovering these things, you know? And so we got to realize that there's just a season. But my assignment is such, and I'm going to make it through this season because I'm learning something here. I'm being developed and equipped. And, uh, you know, if, if Satan's tried to sidetrack you, now then you, you're, you're smart enough not to fall for that again, right? So we learn from all these things because we have 
an assignment and we need to be focused and keep the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Or as they say in East Texas, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Number 12, your assignment determines who will value you. I like that when your teeth hurt, you go to the dentist, right? You value the dentist. You might not value him any other time, but boy, if you have, I mean, if you're just on the floor, rolling on the floor, you value that dentist. When I had kidney stones, I valued that urologist. <laughs> you know? I mean, uh, again, we got the hairstylist in here. I don't know what the deal is with that. I think Sandy mentioned to me that she was going to get her hair cut. So I just had that was flowing through this as I was in the anointing. I was catching this on the side. But uh, when your hair grows too long, you value the hairstylist, right? They do a good job. If not, you don't want to look what, like, you know. Somebody is reaching for you today. Somebody needs you today. Somebody values you. You got to uh, understand and know what your assignment is because there's somebody that needs you today. And that's a clue for your assignment. So here's a little checklist for excellence that, that you have on your handout. How many of you say, boy, I'm glad I got this handout? Say, thank you, Miss Sandy, for running all these copies off for us today. Praise God. I value my wife. She helped me with, in those difficult times and challenges. With, man, she can do that with one hand tied behind her back or one on the side. What, you do, uh, what do you love to do the most each day? You go through this little checklist and kind of see what, what brings you fulfillment. Have you ever done something you maybe dreaded doing it at first, but after you did it, you go, I'm so glad I did that. And there's times like maybe to go visit somebody or visit them and maybe the hospital or whatever, and you think, oh, man, so, so much going on and this and that and this and that. And then after you go do it, it's like, I'm so glad I did that. I just feel, you know, I just, and you, you feel a satisfaction because you feel fulfilled because you did what you were assigned to do. And see, these assignments come too. You have this overall assignment, then, but God sends down assignments each day then for you to help in accomplish your assignment. That's why we need to hear from him each day in prayer and get our updated assignments for the overall job. Martin's a builder. You might know you got a big, you got this whole project. So the, the assignment is to get the thing built. But each day you come in and get a strategy and, you, okay, you got to do this and get this wall framed up. And, this, you know, and so you get it to where you finally get the whole thing finished. We need to do that. We need our daily assignments to accomplish the overall assignment that God has given to us. Number two on your checklist of excellence, to whom have you been assigned for the present season? There's a question mark there because you need to know who you've been assigned to for this present season. So you'll be on track, Right? You won't be wandering in the wilderness. Is your present performance at the highest level of excellence that it can be? Or are you just sloughing off? Just that's good enough. Is it good enough? People, you know that old saying, well, that's good enough for government work, or that's good enough. Is it good enough? Is that what God says? Hmm, we strive for excellence. We do the best that we can do. There's nothing that's perfect, but we do, we strive for excellence. And so are you performing at the highest level of excellence that you can perform at. Another thing on the checklist, what are you doing that is cluttering your life each day? If you can analyze that, cut out the clutter, maybe you can have more room for the assignment. Who is assigned to you? You need to know who you're assigned to, but who's assigned to you? And then that way you can help, because in a sense it ties together, right? 
Who's assigned to you? Are you to be discipling them? You're to be mentoring them at that particular time? So are you doing your job there? Wow. Is your present season a test or a reward? <laughs> Might be good to know. You need to know the difference because if, I'm thinking, if this is a reward, Lord, what's the test going to be like? You know, it's like, wow. So you need to understand that and say, hey, it's just a season. I'm going, I'm going through this thing. I'm not going through it. I'm going through it. Right? I'm going to get out of it. I'm going to the other end of it. Whose pain truly affects your heart? Every day you ought to ask that. And then discover it as you're... Keep these, be aware of these things on this checklist so that as you notice them throughout the day, say, oh, wait, wait a minute, that was a little clue right there. Wow, I felt some fulfillment there. I felt some satisfaction or, or felt some pain there. That means, so then it helps to dial it in a little bit. Whose joy do you long to see? Now listen to this scripture. This was our text, Mark 13, verse 33. Be on guard. Now think about it in the context now as we've looked at knowing these 12 things about discovering our assignment. He says, be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when the time will come. So since we don't know what, when the time will come, we need to be on guard. Don't let Satan get us off of our assignment. Don't slough off and say, well, you know, it's probably a long time for the Lord to come back. I'm going to have some me time right now. Jesus has gone away. He left his church here. He's put us, his servants, in charge, each with his assigned task. As we watch and wait and long for him, we know that by the seasons that we're living in that his coming is soon. So we need to be about the master's business. What will he find you doing when he comes? And that's the big question. Are you ready? Revelation 17, it says, you know, the bride has made herself ready. His wife has made herself ready. Are you ready? What will he find you doing when he comes? Now listen from the Living Bible, Matthew 24, verses 45 through 51. Listen just to the flow of this. Jesus speaking here in Matthew 24, beginning with, Verse 45 in the Living Bible, it says, Are you a wise and faithful servant of the Lord? Have I given you the task of managing my household to feed my children day by day? Blessings on you if I return and find you faithfully doing your work. I will put such faithful ones in charge of everything I own. But if you are, an e if you are evil and say to yourself, My Lord won't be coming for a while, and begin oppressing your fellow servants, partying and getting drunk. Your Lord will arrive unannounced and unexpected and severely whip you and send you off to the judgment of the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Which one do you want? Do you want to be ready? Your assignment is key to your rewards eternally for the rewards that you will receive when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And also, as we saw in Joshua chapter 3, where he said, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Your assignment is also responsible for your blessings now here. So it's very important. Your assignment it affects your life presently and tomorrow and in the future and for all eternity. I want us to pray, and I want to pray for a spirit. The Apostle Paul, to the Ephesians, he prayed for a spirit of wisdom and understanding. 
So I want you to get ready to receive this, this spirit of wisdom and revelation because we need wisdom, right? We've got quite a task here of just discovering our assignment. We need revelation, things that come that will, God will reveal to us these areas, these clues.